Hey folks, it's Marvin Cash, the host of the Articulate Fly, and we're back with another Matt the Hatch with Matt Green. How you doing, Matt? How's it going, Marvin? You doing okay? Yeah, just trying to stay out of trouble. Uh, you've been traveling up to PA to fish, you lucky dog. Yeah, man, it's been pretty good. Uh, at least the bug-wise. The fishing was a little tough. The, you know, they call... Well, I, I take that back, Marvin. The catching was tough. You know, they don't call it catching. They call it fishing. And this is why we go. We don't go to catch all the time. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, I would be lying if I didn't say you didn't want to catch fish. But, you know, you go for the experience, too. And we caught a couple every day, and that was good enough. The bugs were a little tough to find, but that's okay. Yeah, you know, funny you say that. Before we started recording, we were really talking, you know, we're recording this right after Memorial Day weekend, and, you know, we've cooled off, but, I mean, we had a good pop of, you know, I guess early summer heat, getting most of the folks kind of in the mid-Atlantic um, into the upper 80s and, you know, low to mid-90s, and it's been dry. So, I mean, from a flow perspective, we're almost seeing kind of summer conditions on the water. Yeah, I mean, in your non-tail waters, some of the bug activity is really, really going to be pushed to the evening, either right before dark or maybe even overnight in some places. And maybe temperatures will moderate a little bit overnight and you'll get some morning fishing in with the cooler water temps. But during the day, it's just going to be so warm. It's really tough to pull off uh, fishing dry and nymph and streamer many places but your brown trout are really going to benefit the most if you can find some places where you know there are good wild brown trout i think you're going to be over okay until we get some good rain coming in marvin but your rainbow and brook trout fisheries are going to suffer here (laughs) until we get some rain and certainly that does affect what bugs are coming off and certainly when the bugs come off as i said earlier pushing many of the emergencies or hatches to the late evening. Right now, we've got the mahogany done or slate drakes, the isonychia mayflies that are coming off. And they'll have another another emergence in August or September. But we just had a small emergence in many of our mountain streams from the southern Appalachians all the way up the Appalachian spine into new england uh, to be honest i i know i saw them on pins uh, when i was up there just a week ago and so they're coming off in pennsylvania as well we have some golden stones coming off these are acronuria the family perlidae we have some yellow sallies these are the perlodids that's the family of stonefly we're really past the core perlids. Those are the little yellow sallies. Those tend to be in March and April when we see those. We're still seeing March browns in some places from the southern Appalachians through the central Appalachians. Uh, we just passed really the peak of the drakes, uh, the yellow drakes, mostly in the southern Appalachians with some green drakes spotty, uh, with green drakes more into the central Appalachians in the northeast. Um, like I was telling you before we before we uh, started recording, I just got back from a Green Drake trip to um, central Pennsylvania in Center County. And I will tell you this year, if you're fishing that, man, that's been some picky stuff. 
in the hot temps, and then we got some cool weather and a cold front that pushed in and brought some rain. But man, the dun fishing really came alive after the cold weather came in. Speaking to some folks up there that had heydays, so you're probably going to see some coffin flies or spinners from up towards the uh, the upper end of Penn's Creek, uh, Big Fishing Creek, and then some of the areas in the Catskills and then to the Delaware system. And then perhaps as you work further into the Northeast, over the next couple of days, in the extreme Northeast, you might see that last for another uh, couple of days after that, so maybe six days in the Northeast and maybe just two or three here in central Pennsylvania region. Uh, it's just going to become fast and furious, Morgan. And then there's still some, uh, some different caddisflies out, different hydrocycled caddisflies, philippotamids, things, uh, those brown caddisflies that we've talked about before. They have summer emergence periods. And so you'll see caddisflies all throughout the summer. On the tailwaters, we're really starting to get thick into the sulfurs. On the Watauga, it's going about maybe you know, we're midway through on, on the South Holston. Tennessee tailwaters are really getting going into the swing of things. I haven't heard very many reports out of there, so I'm not completely sure if they're in the upper river. But if you're not seeing them in the upper river, give them another week or two. They should be there. Temps as warm as they are, and uh, you're really not seeing you know high flows coming out of the tributaries. Maybe need another week over there with the cold temps coming out of the tailwater, coming out the dam. Um, you know, and we will see as these temps rise uh, some different insects coming out that you may not see very often. The golden drakes, the podomantid mayflies, you should look those up. They're about a 10 or an 8. They're huge. They're big. And, and they'll They'll come off on many of our free stem creeks here in the southern Appalachians and then through the central Appalachians as well. Really, the smallmouth season's heating up, Marvin. I mean, we're getting a good dose of summer currently, so I know many trout anglers may be switching over to smallmouth and, and bass at this point. Uh, what I do normally during this period is really switch to tailwater fishing exclusively try to get on some brook trout but it's uh it's been a little bit too warm yeah and you know we were talking before we started recording and you know so i I guess the reason you know like you would normally maybe if we were kind of in seasonable weather you'd expect maybe a morning and an evening hatch um so it's not photo period driven so what is it i guess you're not kind of going up and down in temperature twice during the day so really what happens is you get that evening cool off and that's when everything happens is that what we're seeing on the water right now we're seeing big temperature fluxes during the day. So really, really warm temperatures in the day isn't aren't triggering emergence. Uh, the temperatures in the evening, overnight, and then in the morning are the temperatures triggering emergence. And so on a typical spring day where you have less variation and mean temperature at the middle part of the day, then you're going to see more consistent emergence throughout the day. So insects will just kind of put her off. You know, they're gonna they're gonna come off sporadically, maybe with more concentrated emergence a little bit earlier into the evening, as opposed to just right before sundown. 
And then the same thing in the morning. You might see some emergence in spring that extends into the 12, noon, or 1 o'clock hour. But in the summer, it might be very concentrated at 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. And then once temps really um, you know, get higher by 11 or 12, they just stop. And so you know, as the stream cools during a hot summer night, uh, you'll get stream temps that become more moderate of what it might be at noon in April as opposed to the same as a midnight in late May, early June. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, so basically what's happening is we're not staying in those temperature bands very long, right? And so... Yeah. Um, and we're also maybe staying hot and only getting to maybe one kind of period for that a day, right? Or they may be really close together, so we don't kind of see what we traditionally expect to see this time of year. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair assessment, Marvin. And that's what happens over the summer anyway. And so you really just need to get out late and get out early. Yeah. Anytime in between, you can spend uh, what you probably should be doing work. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fair, fair enough. And then, you know, I guess too, right? You know, since we're being a little bit more general this time around, as the season progresses, right, the bugs generally get smaller, right? Not necessarily. Well, I mean, I mean, successive hatches, right? So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, so if you have. If you have um, an insect population that's what's called multi-volting, where you have multiple generations a year, like the blueing olives and of many species, uh, the first insects of those are going to be larger, followed by progressively smaller insects over time. And that's just because those insects that emerge first have, um, actually a lot of them have had a little bit longer to develop they've had a good couple of months more to develop than their, their counterparts in many cases. And that's because the, the generations overlap slightly. And so um, that's about it with that. Well, there you go. So I guess, you know, the moral of the story is to get out early and get out late, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what I would be doing if I were out fishing constantly. Like, like some of these, these folks I see, um, Really, to, to be perfectly honest, uh, I would assume fishing everywhere right now in the low water, high water, temp water, because we haven't had very much rain, it's going to be tough everywhere, but probably the tailwaters. And I'm not going to, I'm not saying you should drive over and ask to go do that, but um, that's probably where the best fishing is right now. And it's starting to heat up for um, the main insect attraction over there at least on South Alston, it's over. And so that's probably what I would be doing. <laughs> there, yeah, there you go. And you know, folks, we love questions on the Articulate Fly. You can email them to us or send them to us on our Facebook, our Instagram page, and uh, we'll pick one and uh, we'll read it on the next uh, Matt the Hatch. And, uh, you know, Matt, I know you've had a long day in the lab, uh, and I'll let you get back to it. Uh, but, folks? Well, well. Go ahead. Well, well Morvin, I have uh, two more things I forgot to mention. Oh, there uh, you go. You would, pr- they, you would probably get questions on. Okay. Uh, the first topic is cicadas, uh, 17-year cicadas. We, we haven't really talked about that, and I know many people have seen many different posts about it. 
these cicadas are very localized in where they emerge. And so this year, we're seeing more emergence in Sullivan, Carter County, over on the Tennessee tailwaters. We've just gotten lucky. And yes, there are big fish up eating them. I won't tell you where, I won't tell you when, I won't tell you what patterns to really protect those involved, both angler, god, and and fish. But we are seeing quite a few over in, in Sullivan, in Carter County, in Washington County. And then in addition to that, we're seeing them up the central band of the Appalachians into the Shenandoah and then very specifically into the Cumberland Valley of central Pennsylvania, the Harrisburg area and the Juniata system. And then, then in the, um, the main Susquehanna system, seeing lots of cicadas, they're really starting to get going. Uh, and surprisingly not seeing as many further west. And so further west of the Ridge Valley, working north, south, you're really not seeing as many. And then working into the central Piedmont of North Carolina and Virginia, you're just not seeing as many. This is not our year. If you can go back and look at uh, the predicted distribution maps of a lot of these populations, you know, we're due for some here at, you know, in the Piedmont of North Carolina, Marvin, uh, for a couple more years. And so we're just not getting them. If you are getting them and you're in central North Carolina, you may be in Wilkes, Allegheny, Ash, Yakin. These counties have multiple broods. So there are counties with multiple broods. It's important to note. And so if you weren't expected to get them and you're getting some, you know, that's because you have multiple broods. But the counties and areas that I just listed have a lot. And then they're out in Indiana and parts of Illinois currently. Uh, South Carolina, not supposed to get very many. May, may have some mixed broods available. And then the second thing I'd like to talk about, Marvin, are hexagenia. These are a, 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 a genus of mayfly in the family Ephemeridae. They're related to the drakes. Uh, the, the big hexagenia or hexagenia lambata, you can do a little bit more research on them if you'd like, if you're listening. And these are going to be river and lake species that will begin emerging here in the next couple of weeks and we can, will become prime targets for bath, for carp, for other species and reservoirs throughout our coverage area. Southern Appalachians, Central Appalachians, um, into the Northeast, and then the Piedmont regions working north to south through South Carolina, North Carolina, portions of Georgia also have these. I mean, they're, they're just a very widespread uh, cosmopolitan or ubiquitous distribution for this species. It is a staple for many reservoir uh, fish species. And most folks, most folks just kind of look at them and oh, what is this? I don't know what this is. And they may not see fish up eating them because they're not fishing during the late evening or the early morning or overnight when the bulk of these uh, these large mayflies emerge, and, and these mayflies are about as big as a silver dollar. I mean, they're huge. I mean, the, the fishing is is um, outstanding and tremendous on them. So we can talk about those a little bit later. Yeah, absolutely. And they like uh, slower, silty, slower water with kind of a siltier bottom, right? They do. They're a burrowing mayfly, and so they their larvae make tubes in fine sediments 
uh, not necessarily fine sand, but it's just a, um, it's like a more of a, uh, like a depositional, um, like a loamy silt. Yeah. Yeah. It's what us non-scientific people call muck. Yeah, it's like muck and mile, man. (laughs) And actually, when you're walking around a stream and trying to teach students and show them where to sample drakes, mostly yellow drakes is what we have in the southeast. Um, Yellow bodies for the sublimago and the the spinner looks very similar to a coffin fly spinner for a green drake, but like a slight more yellow body than a clean body. That's the major difference. But the sublimago, yellow drake is yellow and the green drake body is green. Um, typically with a, a dorsal abdomen of all the drakes, it's like a purple, black, blue. And about the only way to get a good color match on that abdomen is to go to your local fly shop and find a, um, a purple bucktail that's been dyed. And then you flip it over and you'll see where the bucktail hasn't been dyed purple all the way through. And it's slightly black with that purple black tinge bucktail of your your dorsal um, abdominal pattern and so you can tie that in then pull it back and then use um, use some kind of um, thread to rivet is what I do little trick for the trade Marvin yeah well and I didn't mean to cut you off and folks our offer for questions still stands and you know until the hexes start popping probably the best thing to do is to head to the tailwaters and catch a few Tight lines, everybody. Tight lines, Matt. Tight lines, Morgan. Have a good one. You too. Mm-hmm.